Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast, aimed at helping you live an active, healthy, and enjoyable life in and around Spokane, Washington. Brought to you by Gordon Physical Therapy. And now, here's your host, Dr. Luke Gordon. Hey everyone, this is Luke Gordon. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the podcast. And today is a little bit different of an episode. It's another solo episode, so just me uh, talking with you today. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to run through um, one of the workshops. It's actually the most popular workshop that I do at the clinic on a on a fairly regular basis. And this is the Balance and Fall Prevention Workshop. So typically this is something that we're doing at the clinic or once in a while I do it off-site for smaller groups of people and things like that, um, where we really cover a lot of information about balance and fall prevention, which I'm going to outline here for you in just a minute. Uh, And basically, I created this several years ago, and it it takes probably seven or eight of my most uh, popular uh, blogs and videos and things like that related to balance and fall prevention, and just puts it all together in a nice, uh, logical manner so people can really start to understand what's going on in terms of understanding what contributes to maintaining balance and what contributes to correcting your balance and things like that. So I'm hoping this is going to be a really good resource for anyone listening um, whether they, whether you personally want to improve your balance or, or learn how to prevent a fall, or if you have a loved one, I think this would be a good one to share with them, um, especially if they're getting a little older and they're not as active and mobile. They don't feel like they can get around as much, and um, and potentially they would have you know more enjoyment out of life if they could get around more and felt more confident with balance. So I'm going to talk to uh, I'm going to basically go through the entire workshop today. Probably take 30 or 40 minutes, although. Obviously, you'll know after uh, I finish recording, you'll, you'll see how long this uh, podcast is. So anyways, uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the whole entire Balance and Fall Prevention Workshop. And again, uh, feel free to share this with someone, um, even if you know, you're a little bit younger and active and don't necessarily think you need to improve your balance. Feel free to share that with uh, an older person in your life or just someone who, who could use the, the pick-me-up. So uh, let's go ahead and just dive right into it then. So the first thing I do with these workshops... Before I start going into all of the specific information about, you know, what it takes to maintain balance and what uh, what systems are involved in all these things, um, because balance is quite complex um, in, in, in many ways, but we talk about what happens when someone has a fall. And this is what I call the downward spiral of having a fall. So typically what will happen is I'll go around the room and I'll say, just show of hands, how many of you people in here have had a fall? And most of them will go up, you know, because that's why they're there or they've had a near fall, things like that. And and then I'll say, well, what would what went through your head when you had that fall? I said, so what were you feeling? What were you thinking? And I'll just have them shout it out. I got my whiteboard with me, so I'll start writing some ideas down. But typically what you'll find is people feel, first of all, they're worried. You know, they feel like, well, did I break something? which luckily not all falls result in like a a real physical injury, like a hip fracture or something like that. But that's, of course, something that's going through their mind. How hurt am I? Did I hit my head? Did I break a wrist? Did I break a hip? Things like that. And then um, what will often come out, though, too, is they feel embarrassed and they just are unsure of what happened. And so that's kind of what's going through their head. And then this, so this kind of gets into the downward spiral of having a fall. So let's say the average person who falls doesn't necessarily have an injury. And then um, if you're the family member, you might tend to think, well, you know, Aunt Marge had a fall, but she's good now. She got lucky. Everything's cool. Um, But really what starts to happen with these folks is that once they've had a fall, what will creep into their mind, uh, which you can probably understand pretty easily, is that they're very fearful of having that next fall. So a fall is a scary thing for an individual. So that fear starts to settle in. Now, logically speaking, if, if you just had a fall, 
and you're a little afraid of having another fall, what do you think you'll start to do? Most people will start to avoid activities that will challenge their balance, anything that might make them more likely to have a, a, another fall. So it makes pretty good sense. So over time, these folks start to avoid activities that are more challenging, more dynamic, uh, activities that might include rapid movements or turning or uneven surfaces, anything like that, uh, darkly lit uh, environments, um, social outings, things like that, anything that might challenge their balance and get them closer to having another fall. So. What happens then as these people become more sedentary and start to avoid these uh, more demanding activities? So what tends to happen next in the downward spiral, as I call it, is they're starting to lose things like strength and they're starting to have decreases in their overall balance. So because of that fear that set in after their fall, they're now doing less, their strength is going downhill and their balance is going downhill all of which is making them more and more likely to have that next fall. So you could imagine over the course of three months, six months to a year, what may have seemed from the outside like an isolated incident, like to a family member or a loved one, has now had a profound impact on this person's life. So again, Aunt Marge isn't doing much these days. She's not doing those social outings. She's not going out for walks. She's not challenging her balance. She's getting more and more sedentary, more and more isolated potentially. And really, as you get further and further into this downward spiral, what you're starting to see crop up with these individuals is things like anxiety and depression, and they're missing out on things that they used to really enjoy, like certain activities with their friends or with a spouse. And their quality of life, their overall enjoyment of life is really just going downhill. So again, you go back to what started as just an isolated incident, one fall uh, from an outside perspective, it wasn't that bad, they didn't get too hurt, they didn't get too banged up, but then you fast forward six months to a year, and that one incident has had a really big impact on that person's life. And that's again what I like to start off with at these workshops, because it just sets the tone for how important this topic really is. So people can be very motivated to improve their balance. Uh, it's something that can have a huge impact on their overall quality of life and their enjoyment of life. So um, that's why, again, I think it, balance is so important. And it, at, at the therapy clinic, at Gordon Physical Therapy, it's one of the biggest things that we do is we help people improve their balance. And, you know, that could be the average adult who just has, you know, they've had some medical issues over the years, some aches and pains, you know, some surgeries, knee surgeries, back surgeries, aches and pains that have kept them from being active. And then now they're at a point where it's like, wow, you can really see the effect on their, on their life because they're having to avoid activities. So we're helping people just in those general circumstances. And then you get into things that are a little more neurological, like Parkinson's disease, um, MS, multiple sclerosis. So some of those things that, um, you know, we have more specific treatments for depending on the, basically the background of the balance issue. So we do a lot of that work at the clinic and that's why it's so important. And, you know, we really appreciate how big of an impact, uh, even just one fall can have on someone's life. So that is the start of the workshop. That's how we kick it off get into just set the tone, like I said, for how, uh, for how important this uh, issue is and that we definitely understand uh, why it's so important to people and hopefully it makes them feel like they're in, a, in the right spot where they're dealing with people who get it. So that's it. So that's the intro. So that all being said, let's jump into the information that we cover in the workshop. The first thing that I typically cover is just an overview of what it takes to maintain proper balance. And so there are three basic steps that must occur for you to maintain your balance and prevent a fall. And this again is a bird's eye view. It's very uh, overarching, but it's where I like to start. Just give you the overall sense of what you have to do. And then we'll get into some more details as we go along. So step one. So you're trying to, you know, you're up, 
you're about, you're moving around. Step one to maintaining your balance is that your body has to sense your balance in relationship to your environment and send that sensory input to your brain. So step one essentially is just your ability to sense your balance. So you're constantly picking up input from your environment. Uh, I'm going to tell you how that comes in in the next uh, the next chunk of the workshop here. But you're constantly getting this feedback, and it's going to your brain, and it's telling you, uh, you know, for me, it's saying, Luke, here's where you are in relationship to your environment. Here's where your balance is. Are you shifted this way? Are you shifted to the right? You know, are you leaning forward? Are you leaning back? Are you twisted and rotated? There's a lot of sensory input that's going to your brain. So that's step one. All this information is constantly going to your brain um, via various sources, which again, I'll cover in the next uh, chunk here. After step one, then step two then is once that sensory input goes to your brain, your brain has to process that information. So step two is just process. Your brain receives all this information from various sensory organs, and now it's got to make sense of it, and it's got to tell you uh, where you are. So that's step two. Step three, then, is after you have all this information and it's been processed and you've made some sense of it, is you, step three is your body's ability to respond and make the necessary corrections. So for example, if I'm getting a little off balance and I start to uh, wobble to my right, let's say I'm on uneven surface and my weight starts to shift a little bit unexpectedly, all that information is going to go quickly to my brain. My brain is going to tell me where I am and then I'm going to respond. Um, a lot of this is just all automatic, of course. So I'll respond by activating certain muscles in my ankles, maybe my hips and my core trunk area in order to shift my weight back towards uh, the center. We would call that like your center of gravity. So you're always, you're always constantly doing this whether you're standing still or whether you're moving about in a more uh, active or dynamic activity. So again, those are the three steps. As long as you can do those three, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, uh, you'll maintain your balance and with any luck you won't fall over. So again, step one, you're going to sense uh, the balance information in relationship to your environment. Step two is your brain is going to process all that information. And step three is your body is going to make uh, the necessary, it's going to respond and make the necessary corrections. So again, there's your bird's eye view of balance all in a little nutshell there. Um, that's all you have to do. So that being said, of course, um, a lot can go wrong with that. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, opportunities to improve those things too. So let's get into next then the three balance systems. So I mentioned all those things that are, that are sensing your balance at any given time. So the three balance systems that you have that are constantly giving you input um, into your brain in terms of where you are in relationship to your environment, the first one that you're going to rely on is your vision. So essentially, when your eyes are open, Anything you're doing, you constantly have very rapid input to your brain as to where you are in relationship to your environment. So if you're standing still and things are moving around in your environment, that's all going to your brain. And then when you start moving around, you're turning your head, you're doing various movements, all of that information is going to your brain and telling you where you are in relationship to your environment. So that's a really powerful one. And I'm going to tell you how we can kind of differentiate between these three systems and kind of test for them too. So just keep that in mind. Your first system is your vision. The second balance system then that's giving your brain input is your sensation. Now the easiest way to think of sensation is if you stand up and you shift your weight around your feet, you should feel that pressure on your feet. You should feel like if you shift your weight to the left, you get more pressure over towards your left foot, maybe the outside of your left foot. And then as you shift your weight to the right, you'll feel that pressure move. So that's sensation in its most basic sense. 
You also have other types of sensation throughout your body. You have uh, joint receptors inside your joints. You have muscle receptors um, that will tell you basically where you are in relationship to uh, in like spatial relationship. So for example, if you close your eyes and you uh, straighten and uh, bend your knee, you can tell that sensation goes to your brain in terms of where, what position your body is in. So again, we won't go into too much detail on that, but you have that's your second system is sensation. So just keep that in mind. Um, so third balance system after sensation and uh, vision is you have your inner ear. So your inner ear, those are motion sensors essentially. You might be familiar with people saying, oh, you've got fluid in your inner ear, which is accurate. You do have fluid in there. And so essentially what you have in your inner ear is, and you might call this your vestibular system, just if you're using keyword uh, phrases here. So your inner ear has these hoops, uh, which are like canals. And within those hoops, they're very small hoops, uh, there's fluid that moves around. So with these hoops, on each side of your inner ear, so your left side and your right side, you have three hoops, and they're oriented in three different directions. So essentially, you have a three-dimensional model to work off of because you have all three of those hoops in different directions. So for example, let's say you're uh, sitting or standing. This is just regarding head movement, by the way. Head movement um, just in relationship to your body. So if you tip your head forward and back, um, in one of those hoops, essentially, the fluid is primarily moving in that plane, that plane of motion. And so as the fluid moves inside your inner ear, that's giving your brain feedback as to the movement patterns of your head. So again, if you turn your head left to right, um, tip your head left to right, as you're moving, that fluid is moving in your inner ear, and that's giving your brain input. So um, a nice way to think of the fluid too, or to kind of remember what it was like, is when you were a kid, and hopefully probably not when you're an adult, but maybe, uh, maybe when you're dancing and stuff like that. But when you were a kid, um, at least I did, it used to spin around. You'd spin around real fast. You'd spin, spin, spin. My kids do this now. And then you'd stop and you'd get real dizzy. And it, and it felt like when you stopped, like the earth was still moving or your surroundings were still moving. And the reason that you got that sensation is because as you spun, you started to get that fluid moving quickly. And it's not usually used to moving quickly, just with normal head movements. So you got the fluid moving quickly. And then when you stopped, the fluid kept moving. Versus typically when you stop moving your head, the fluid stops moving and that tells your brain what's going on. So that's confusing for your brain because typically when you stop moving and those first two balance systems are telling your brain you stop moving, your vision says we stopped, your sensation says we stopped, but now the inner ear receptors are telling your brain that you're still moving. And that's what makes you feel dizzy. So basically when you have those uh, kind of a mismatch of information between those three balance systems, that's when you start to have things like dizziness and actually what we wouldn't probably call that dizziness, we would call that vertigo. So vertigo, another key word that we're going to discuss uh, a little bit later on in today's uh, podcast because we always touch on that during the, um, the workshops. So vertigo is that sensation of spinning. So again, let's just stick with those three balance systems for right now though. You've got the vision, your vision, you have sensation, you have your inner ear which is always moving. So basically, when we're looking at this with clients in the clinic, then we're saying, okay, let's just see how well, as part of your balance assessment, let's just see how well those systems are working. Now, so this is a simple test we do. We call it the Romberg test. Um, 
And so we're just going to do a real quick test. So the first thing we'd have people do is we'd have them stand up. And if you want to do this at home, you can. Just keep in mind that you want to keep yourself safe and make sure you're in a, a good environment that you could correct your balance, uh, not fall over and, and bonk yourself. Um, so what we'd have you do then is you would stand up, put your feet together, and just cross your arms over your chest or have them loosely at your sides. And we would say, okay, with your feet together and your eyes open, let's just see how you're doing. Now, that should be a pretty easy balance test for most people. With your feet together and your eyes open on a firm surface, by the way, a level surface uh, like a compact carpet or like a linoleum or a hardwood, something like that. So in that first position, then, you've got pretty well access to all three of those systems, assuming there's nothing wrong with them, assuming you don't have an issue with your vision or you don't have an issue with your uh, sensations, such as, um, you know, like a neuropathy or a, a nerve issue there. So first position, you should be able to hold that for 30 seconds pretty normally without swaying around too much. And that would be considered a normal test for position one. So position two then will make it a little more difficult. We'll keep you in the same spot with your feet together and uh, on a firm surface, but we're going to have you close your eyes. Now when you close your eyes, essentially all we've done is we've taken away that first balance system, which was your vision. We've left you with the other two though. We've left you with your sensation and your inner ear. So on this one, you might notice yourself sway a little more. Now on this one, if you sway a lot, what that's telling you is that you're very dependent on your vision for your balance. Now, this is a common one we see with, in the clinic, especially in older adults, and especially if they have been pretty sedentary, um, whether it's for you know uh, pain or a, another issue, or it's because they're afraid of falling. Either way, though, we'll see that a lot in people, and they'll have a hard time walking uh, like through the house at night when there's low lighting, because again, they're really not they're really not using those um, the second two the second and third systems as much as they should be. So over time then, what's happening with them is that, uh, again, they're, they're really relying on their vision. As long as it's a well-lit room and things aren't moving too quickly, they, they have pretty good balance, but again, you have them close their eyes and they start to sway. So that's the second, uh, second Romberg test. The third test then is instead of keeping you on a nice firm surface, we're gonna put you on a squishy surface. In the clinic, we're gonna use like a dense blue piece of foam um, that's nice and squishy. At home, if you wanted to test yourself, you could use a couch cushion or you could use a pillow or something like that that's a little more squishy. Again, I would just caution you to make sure if you ever are doing this that you're doing it safely. Um, definitely not ever the point of uh, imp you know falling over and having a fall when you're trying to test your balance or potentially improve it. But again, the third, the third um, position we're going to get into then is a squishy surface, feet together, side by side, eyes open. So again, from this position... You've got your vision because your eyes are open. You've got your inner ear because we're not really able to turn that off. We'd get tricky if we really wanted to and do some things to confuse it, but we're not going to go there today. Um, but essentially what we've done is we made, we've made your sensation more difficult to interpret because we put you on a squishy surface, and so your sensation by default is going to be kind of moving. It's going to be hard for you to get really good in input on your sensation. So... Again, you might be a little wobbly on this one, especially if you have some sensory issues or if you just don't have great responses to your balance um, in terms of like your ankle muscles, your hip muscles, anything like that. So that's the third position. And then the last position of the Romberg test, which again, this is going to be the most difficult position and a lot of our clients are going to really wobble or potentially just fall right over on this one, is you're going to be on that squishy surface again with your feet together and now you're going to close your eyes. So this last test is very good indicator of how well your inner ear is working because we've taken away your vision by having you close your eyes 
And then with your sensation, again, you're on a squishy surface, so it makes it really difficult for you to really rely on that sensory input. So again, when we're testing people in the clinic, it's very important that we keep them safe. So as a therapist, what I typically do is we're doing this test with um, the big staircase or a firm countertop in front of them in case they go forward, they can use that. And then I'm behind them so I can help them correct you know, anything that has them fall backwards or side to side, I can correct them really easily. Um, and again, if you have issues with your balance or you feel like you're unsteady, just don't feel like you have the best balance anymore, this is one that you'll probably last two or three seconds and you'll probably go right over. So again, wouldn't recommend you do this at home on your own, especially if you have poor balance, unless you feel like you've got a safe environment where someone could help you or, or you could open your eyes and correct your balance real quickly. So again, in the clinic, that's how we're just briefly testing your balance systems. There's a lot of other factors that go into uh, your balance, which we're going to discuss next, but that's just a nice quick, uh, quick objective one that we can do and say, okay, in those four positions, could you go the full 30 seconds, which is what we consider normal, or, you know, were you swaying around and could only do 10 seconds or 12 seconds? So it's a nice, um, nice little test for us to use. And then it's also a nice thing for us to use going forward with treatment when we're trying to improve your balance and say, okay, well, here's, here's how you started. You're only able to do position three for uh, 12 seconds. And now that we've worked on some of these different exercises, some of the balance training, some of the vestibular things that we can do to improve your inner ear receptors, now you're able to do it for 30 seconds with minimal sweat and pretty good confidence too. So um, yeah, nice little test, pretty handy for us to use as PTs. So that all being said, we've got a pretty good overview of the balance so far. Hopefully we've covered the basic three steps to maintaining your balance. Now we've got a little more information about those uh, sensory systems that really come into play and what it can tell us when we test them. And then I want to talk about next then other factors that are going to affect your balance. So other things that come into play when it comes to your balance, the first one is you could have damage to your central nervous system. So I mentioned earlier things like Parkinson's and MS, um, that's potentially damaging your central nervous system, which when I use that term central nervous system, what I'm talking about is your brain and your spinal cord. That's your central nervous system. So um, another common one for that category would be a stroke. So if you had a stroke and your brain is no longer able to process the sensory input nearly as quickly, or you have a difficult time, you know, controlling the left side of your body or the right side of your body, that's clearly going to have an impact on your balance. Again, with Parkinson's, we're seeing a more specific type of uh, damage and deterioration to the central nervous system. I'm not going to go into detail on Parkinson's today, although I, I probably will at some point. Or actually, I have that podcast with Dr. Uh, Audred. Um, I think that was the probably the podcast episode three. If you want to know more about Parkinson's, um, that's a really good one. So uh, Parkinson's is going to affect your central nervous system. MS, another common one here in Spokane where I live. So that's all going to be uh, factors that we want to consider when we're trying to help you improve your, your balance. Uh, the next factor that you're going to want to consider, kind of a group here, is limited strength, endurance, and flexibility. Primarily among that little group there, uh, strength is a huge uh, issue with balance. So if you have poor strength in, let's say, your ankle muscles, hip muscles, core muscles, things like that, when it comes to trying to make necessary corrections to your balance, you want that strength. So when you're on the foam, let's say you're on the foam and you're wiggling around and it's kind of swaying, you, you should notice that your ankle muscles are trying to help you make little corrections at your foot and ankle. Now, if they're not real strong, you're not going to get much response out of them, and they're not going to do much. So after your ankle muscles, then typically what will happen with balance strategies is if you can't correct your balance with your ankles, you're going to try to correct it with your hips and your core. 
But again, the average person coming in um, <clears throat> with poor balance is going to have issues with with hip and core strength. So again, the strength is a really huge issue when it comes to balance. And in fact, I mean, just general information I could give you or general advice I could give you um, pretty easily is saying, at the very least, uh, when you're looking to improve your balance on your own, work on your strengthening. Work on strengthening your hips, your core, your ankles. And obviously, there's a lot of things you can do that go into that. But overall, pretty good rule of thumb, any increases you can make in your strength are going to have a positive impact on your balance. So that's another factor that we're going to consider when we're working with clients um, to try to get a better picture of what's specifically affecting them. So next on my list of factors that can affect your balance, side effects from medications. I'm sure most people have heard those commercials uh, on TV or the radio that says, you know, you know, ask your doctor about such and such medication, and it's it's this, it's that, it's beautiful, it's a wonderful medication, it'll have a positive impact on your life. And by the way, here's a common list of side effects. Side effects may include dizziness, drowsiness, nausea, death, blah, 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 blah. So um, won't go into that little soapbox, but definitely side effects from medications and uh, multiple medications when they're interacting can definitely have a negative impact on your balance, blood pressure medications, things like that. So what I would recommend in those, in those regards is if you think that the medications are having an impact on your um, balance, making you feel lightheaded, making you feel drowsy, um, any of those types of symptoms, um, what I would do is I would just check with your pharmacist or your doctor and just have them review it with you. When it comes to physical therapy, kind of my end of the of the deal, that's not really our realm as therapists to tell you. I mean, we, we know the basics about medications, but if you're ever looking to actually adjust them or talk to someone about them, you really want to go through the pharmacist or the, or the physician. So keep that in mind as another option um, that you might pursue in terms of trying to improve your balance. So that's another factor. And then the last one I've got on my list here is ongoing pain. And this is one that I feel like is actually pretty underrated when it comes to people's balance and uh, the potential for them to have a fall. And the reason I think pain is underrated is because I don't think what people realize with pain is that pain really impacts your ability to do activities. So let's just take the, a common example of someone who has like left hip pain, maybe some sciatic and lower back pain on that left side. And let's look at what that does to them over a prolonged period of time. So if you stand up and you walk around and every time you stand and walk and do anything on your feet, you feel this pain going down the left side of your hip and your buttocks and again, potentially in your lower back, what do you think that's going to do to you over time? What I would imagine is you're going to shift your body weight away from the left side and you're going to start shifting your weight over to the right because that'll help you alleviate some of that pain. And as you do that over a course of weeks or months or potentially even years, your left side, which is painful, is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And it's going to start to affect the way you move. So now all of a sudden, if we talk about maintaining balance, you know, you need to keep your, um, your balance and your weight as close to neutral as possible, you know, symmetry is big, and you need to have all those muscles nice and strong so that when you do have challenges to your balance, you can correct them. Pain has influenced a lot of that now because now you're already shifting your weight to the right, which makes you farther away from your, the middle of your balance, again, your center of uh, gravity or your center of balance. So you're already shifted away to begin with. Now you get, uh, you know, you get jostled. Um, you're on an uneven surface and your balance suddenly changes um, and you weren't expecting it. Well, now your ability to correct your balance has really gone downhill because you don't have that strength there. And even if you did have some strength there, pain is really good at inhibiting your muscle control. So when things hurt, your body tends to turn it off. 
So again, if you're dealing with longstanding pain, like I mentioned, hip, buttocks, low back, uh, a pre-existing knee injury that really has you favoring that leg and shifting your weight away from it, any of those longstanding issues with pain can really have a negative uh, influence on your balance, especially over a prolonged period of time. So when you're trying to improve your balance, uh, another good rule of thumb, anything you can do to improve the, uh, the pain level in certain parts of your body is going to have a good impact on your balance, especially if that allows you to stand longer, walk longer, engage in more rigorous activity, and especially if that allows you to engage in more strengthening. So really don't overlook that. If you're working with a therapist on balance and you've got some lower back pain, you know, advocate for yourself and say, look, look, can we work on this back pain too? Because what I find in physical therapy a lot of is if uh, if we get a referral from a physician and it says, you know, we want to work with Mr. Smith on his balance and do this and do that, um, a lot of us tend to just stay inside our little box because we've been told what to do. And some people like to be told what to do. Um, but when it when it comes to my approach to PT, I think it's, you know, I'm going to do whatever I feel is in, is in my client's best interest. And if reducing their back pain and their sciatic pain, you know, by two or three points is enough to help them walk longer, stand longer or do more strengthening, that's going to definitely be something I want to include into their PT plan to help them with their overall mobility and their overall balance. So don't overlook pain when you're treating your balance. The other thing I wrote in parentheses here was neuropathy also comes into play. So neuropathy, pain in the feet, tingling, numbness, that can all have an, an impact too. So again, um, we just want to look at all those factors when we're looking at your balance. We want to test your balance systems. We want to see, is there a neurological component? Is there a strength issue? Again, can we look at your medications a little bit or encourage you to look at them with your pharmacist or physician? Can we make some improvements in your pain? Can we do all of these things knowing that uh, balance really is a complex picture for a lot of people? And um, if we look at all these factors and have a, you know, a positive impact on several of them, then we're going to have really good chances of success. So um, that's kind of my laundry list. And then next up in the workshop, typically what I talk about is vertigo. So I mentioned vertigo earlier. Um, vertigo is that sensation of spinning, uh, the sensation of movement. It doesn't have to be spinning. It can be a swaying movement. You can just feel like as you're walking around, like things just aren't quite still. That's what vertigo is. Now, I'm not going to go super in-depth with vertigo. I will just let you know that, you know, at Gordon PT, we have therapists who are really good at treating it because it is like a specialty area underneath uh, the physical therapy umbrella. If you ever have vertigo, especially what I would call positional vertigo, where you move, you move your head, you move your body, and then you have a sudden sensation of vertigo. For a lot of people, it's very treatable. You just want to, you just want to work with a therapist who knows how to treat it. I don't think it's extremely complicated to treat once, you, once you've had the training, but again, it's just one of those specialty areas that most PTs just don't ever really fall into or get interested in. So if you have that, just know, you know whether you're listening to this here in Spokane or you're listening to the podcast somewhere else, there are therapists who are trained in vertigo that can help you with it. Um, so reach out to them. They're a great resource. Now, so the most common type of vertigo we're going to see then with our clients is that when they change positions they get a sudden sensation of spinning your movement. And again, I mentioned that as positional vertigo. If you were to look that up online um, and you wanted to Google it, or you can look on our website because I've got videos and blogs all about it, what you would keyword search is you would look for BPPV. So again, just those four letters, BPPV. It's a fancy medical term for positional vertigo, which is that last those last two letters, the PV. So essentially what this is, um, it's a very common type of vertigo. 
where if you go back to those inner ear canals, which I mentioned earlier, where you've got the fluid moving through them, when those are working properly, the fluid is just moving freely. And um, it's, it's again, giving your brain that input as to where your, where your head is in terms of its movement patterns. What I didn't tell you is that there's a next door neighbor to those canals. And in the next door neighbor, it's basically a jelly pad. So just a layer of jelly with these little crystals or rocks stuck to them. We call them the otoconia, which is a fancy name for like an ear rock. But you may have heard people saying, well, I've got, I've got rocks loose in my ear or crystals loose in my ear. This is what they're talking about. So that next door neighbor organ has those little rocks stuck to the jelly. And what can happen over time is those little rocks can get dislodged. And since the fluid is continuous between those, those uh, jelly pad areas and the hoops where your fluid is moving around in the canals, those little rocks can become dislodged and they can float over into the hoops. And again, this is what's going to cause that sudden sensation of vertigo or spinning, especially with head movements. And so again, this is the BPPV is what I'm explaining. And those little crystals get loose, they get uh, into the canals, and then they start to impact the fluid movement in those canals. And anytime you get a mismatch in information between the left canals and the right canals, again, that's going to go up to your brain. Your brain doesn't really know what to do with it, and it's going to give you that sensation that you're still moving. So that's kind of the layman's term or explanation of what, the, what causes that positional vertigo. And um, if you think you've got that, here's what it typically looks like. Typically, you're going to notice that when you tip your head forward or backwards. So tipping forward like you're reaching for something on the ground or going to tie your shoe, tipping backwards like you're tipping your head back to wash your hair in the shower, that can cause it. The other real common one for people is getting in and out of bed. So you lay down real quickly to one side or you get up real quickly. It doesn't have to be quick, actually. It's not really, speed doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. But those positional changes will cause, typically with BPPV, you're looking at like 10 to 30 seconds of sudden vertigo. Everything feels like it's spinning. It can be very, very upsetting, nauseating. Um, and then it stops and it goes away. You might feel a little residual unsteadiness throughout the day, but it's typically not staying with you all day. It's only when you do those certain movements. And if you avoid those movements, you won't notice it. The other common one you'll see with that inner ear vertigo or the BPPV is when you're rolling over in bed, rolling side to side. Now, when it comes to the therapy end of things, when we get a client who has these symptoms, pretty easy to test for it in the clinic because you just, you basically line up the different inner ear canals and you, you move the person through those, through those positions and you see if it, uh, first if it brings on their symptoms and then you watch their eyeballs. And it's really fascinating what happens when someone has inner ear vertigo. Uh, the most common canal that gets involved, which we call your posterior canal, and it's really easy to test for, like I said. Um, when someone has a positive response, they tell you, oh gosh, you know, the room is spinning, it's moving. And then what happens to their eyeballs is their eyeballs are twisting. It's really fascinating. Fascinating to me, of course. Um, if it's happening to you, it's probably very much less than fascinating. Um, but if you ever want to look at that, again, I got videos online, um, YouTube or uh, the Gordon Physical Therapy website, um, which is just gordonphysicaltherapy.com. If you go over to the blog page, uh, I got a lot of videos on that. And in terms of more resources on how to treat it, how to diagnose it, what you actually have to do. So again, that's just kind of your brief introduction to vertigo, but definitely uh, something we screen for with our clients. What I'll find sometimes with people is they've been dealing with vertigo for a long time and either just been told by a physician that there's nothing they can do, or they've just kind of, they've learned to live with it. And, um, 
unfortunately, it doesn't typically go away. But the nice thing is, is once we identify it and we test for it in the clinic, we can tell exactly what site it's on and what canal it uh, is in, which is then going to dictate how we treat it. And essentially, we take you through like a rolling sequence where we're just allowing, we're lining the, the canal up with gravity and then we're rolling it so that that crystal or that rock can roll all the way through the canal and then it can pop back through the opening that it came in through and back over to the jelly pad where it should be living. So I know that's kind of a <laughs> not the best explanation, but but that's what we do. And typically, the nice thing is that it's very gratifying because it typically works right away. And then um, the client can tell right away that it worked, which is great. So kind of a cool thing to work with. I've always enjoyed it just because not many things you do in physical therapy give you that level of instant feedback or gratification. You know, a lot of our clients are saying, well, we need to work on a, these few things and you're going to start to feel better. Like again, with that hip and back pain, it's going to start to feel better, but you've had it for a year. I can't make it feel significantly better in one day which is just how the human body works. But with vertigo, you can really have some really uh, quick uh, gains. So cool things. If you have questions about vertigo, just reach out to me and I'll help you as best I can. Okay, so now that we've covered all that information about balance and what contributes to it and all these things you have to consider, all the various factors, let's talk about how are we going to successfully help people with improving their balance and with things like dizziness and vertigo. And this is basically the same two-step approach that I take to anything, uh, whether it be balance or whether it be knee pain or back pain or shoulder pain. Step one is that we just want to determine the root cause of why the balance has been negatively impacted. So if you think of that, all the information we've covered, we want to go through all of those things, all those different factors, and we really want to pinpoint probably the two or three that are really impacting you. So it's not going to be the same for everybody, which is why I went through that entire list. You've got to consider all of them. But um, we just want to figure out, okay, where where are we going to have the most bang for our buck here? What's not working correctly? Uh, and what can we have an improvement on? So that's step one. Figure out the root cause. Step two, de two then is we're going to design a PT plan catered to those specific needs. So let me give you a common example. Let's go through and we say we're working with a with Mrs. Smith and she comes in and she's got poor balance and she feels unsteady. So we're gonna look through all those different factors that we talked about. I'm gonna take her through the Romberg. I'm gonna see how her inner ear is working, see how her ankles are moving. We're gonna check out her strength. We're gonna go through a detailed history and figure out what else she has going on, any issues with central nervous system, any issues with uh, medications, neuropathy, anything like that. And typically what we're gonna find is that Mrs. Smith doesn't have great strength in her ankles and hips. She's got some ongoing uh, hip and back pain. And then her inner ear just isn't really working anymore. And the reason it's not working very well is because she hasn't been challenging it. And the inner ear is, it's not a muscle, it's a reflex, but it's a good way of thinking it. Just like a lot of things, if you don't use it, you lose it. So if you, again, say you've got a person and you're, you're avoiding difficult positions, you're avoiding quick head movements, you're avoiding unstable surfaces because you feel like you're going to fall, then what happens is your inner ear just doesn't work very well anymore. And I like to think of it as it's out of tune. It's not tuned up. It's not working properly. It's not strengthened is another way to look at it. Although, again, it's not a muscle. It's a reflex. So with this type of person, then we're saying, okay, look, we want to do specific balance exercises that are going to challenge your inner ear in a safe environment so that we can improve your balance on that front. 
uh, that's one thing we're going to really put our finger on. Uh, the other thing we're going to put our finger on is that you don't have very good strength in those hip and core and those knee and ankle muscles. So we're going to start strengthening right away because strength doesn't happen overnight. For most people, it's going to take you four to six weeks of an exercise program that's challenging to really have a positive impact on your strength. So that's the second thing we're going to include. And then third, we're going to address that pain in your hip and back, knowing that if we can relieve your pain, you're going to be able to tolerate strengthening more. You're going to be able to tolerate longer walks, and you're going to be able to tolerate the more challenging exercises that we're going to want to throw at you in a few weeks as you're making progress with your with your balance. Because ultimately, you can improve your balance like in a standing static position. What, what we really want longer term is can we improve your, your balance in a dynamic situation where you're walking, and again, you're navigating stairs and curbs and uneven surfaces. So that's a very typical scenario we're going to see at the clinic. Again, test everything. Let's start working on inner ear function right away with those balance exercises. Let's start working on strengthening and let's get rid of any, um, any other barriers like pain that might be limiting our ability to move and exercise and things like that. Now, one thing I want to highlight within that plan then for this Mrs. Smith, let's call her, is that when we're doing balance exercises, that's one of the biggest benefits that we bring to the clients when we're working with them in the clinic. Um, and the reason I say that is because it's it's pretty easy for folks to work on strengthening at home outside the clinic because strengthening is pretty well controlled. But when you really want to work on your balance, just like anything, to have a positive uh, improvement with your balance, you have to challenge it. Now, when you imp when you try to challenge your balance at home, potentially it's a big safety risk. Whereas in the clinic, again, if I've got uh, a safe environment and you know I'm a I'm a very highly trained PT and, you know, work with lots of balanced clients. I know how to keep you safe. I can stand behind you and I can progress you through balance exercises that are challenging to the point that we're going to expect to see an improvement on your balance. So that's a big topic to kind of fully understand is that it's really difficult for people to improve their balance on their own simply because they have to challenge it to improve it. And challenging your balance, of course, increases your likelihood of, of uh, having a fall. So very important point there. Just want to throw that out. So that's how we do it. Again, we just figure out exactly what's causing the, the issues with the balance. And then we figure out as many things as we can do to have a positive impact on it by catering towards those specific needs. So that's it. That is pretty much the entire workshop. Um, Usually what I tell people after the workshop, of course, is, you know, a lot of them are ready to work with us after the workshop, which is great. And so um, we do a free 30-minute in-house uh, balance and fall risk assessment, which basically is very similar to just our discovery visit where the, you know, the clients can come in, they can sit down for 30 minutes and talk to one of our PTs, explain their history, explain what's happened to them, um, give them more information about what they've tried in the past. And then the PT will really help them figure out what is, uh, what those root causes are and if we can have a positive impact on them and if we think we can help them. So if you are local and listening to this, um, certainly call the clinic at your convenience, 509-892-5442. Um, Give us a call and just say, hey, I'd love to come in and talk to one of the PTs and figure out what's going on to cause my balance issues and if, uh, if you guys can help me. So definitely take advantage of that if you're in our area and you have questions about that. I also have a free report online about uh, nine, it's titled Nine Simple Ways to improve your balance and prevent another fall. And that's online on our website, which is just gordonphysicaltherapy.com. We've got a whole dedicated page to balance and fall prevention. So go to the main page and just look for that. Or if you want to go straight to it, the URL would be gordonphysicaltherapy.com backslash balance. And I will put the, um, I will put that link, uh, in the show notes too. So again, definitely, um, 
with the with the free consultation, if you're in the area, please take advantage of that. And if you just want the report, so if you're listening to this out of state or somewhere else, feel free to go to the website and download that report. It's got some really good tips in there. It's got more in-depth information about if you wanted to do specific exercises for your balance. So feel free to go visit that um, site. And if you have other questions, feel free to email me. Um, you can always email me just at luke at gordonphysicaltherapy.com. And again, I'll leave all that in the show notes. So if you want to just click on links, you can do that. So um, hope you enjoyed that uh, the presentation. And again, it's usually on site. We're usually doing it live, but really wanted to make this available to people in kind of this longer format so that you can just digest it and not necessarily have to watch it. You know, you can just listen to the podcast at your convenience. And hopefully that helps you understand exactly what's going on and how complex it really can be when you're looking to improve your balance. Um, But it certainly is important. I think it's one of the most important things we do at the PT clinic. You know, obviously everything else we do is pretty important in terms of helping people with ongoing aches and pains and, you know, surgical recovery. But uh, balance, I think, has kind of a special place in my mind just because it can have such a negative impact on people's lives. And because again, I I just don't think the average person really fully appreciates the impact that even a single fall or a near fall can have on someone's life, especially when you compound it with three months, six months, a year. And all these little things start kind of creeping up on people and making my uh, life much more difficult and and just not as enjoyable. So again, I hope this helps you if you're in a position where you're looking to improve your balance. And um, if you're not, but you know someone, a loved one, friend, family member, please pass it along to them. I think we got a lot of good information here and there's a lot of help for people. So, So again, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm not quite sure what I've got coming up next, but stay tuned and we'll just keep rolling out. And as always, shoot me an email if you have uh, feedback, questions, ideas for future episodes. I'd love to hear from you if you've got anything like that. But that's all for now. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast, sponsored by Gordon Physical Therapy. To stay connected with the Stay Healthy Spokane community, visit www.stayhealthyspokane.com. And we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy Spokane podcast.